The Coram Deo Church Community is a missional church rooted in historic, biblical Christianity and committed to cultural engagement. We hope the message you're about to hear spurs you to deeper reflection on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Our scripture this morning is Psalm 33. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of men. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Mike Kresnick. Um, I'm happy to be preaching here this morning. Um, if we don't know one another, I hope we can remedy that soon. I'll, I'll be around after the service. Um, don't hesitate to come find me and, and say hello to me and introduce yourself to me. 
Um, as I stand here this morning, um, <laughs> I'm in awe of the fact that uh, I've been able to be here on staff for 12 years. Um, my family's been here for about 13, and it's just been so fun to see all the things that God has done and continues to do here in our church um, as, as we get to live together and, and worship together. Uh, over the last four or five months, uh, I've been able to jump into a new role here on staff. Uh, I've, I've, back in February, I began serving in the care and counseling area of our, of our church alongside Pastor Dusty. And it's been a joy and an honor to walk alongside so many of you and to talk to so many of you about the joys and the trials of life and the, um, the challenges and celebrations of life across the whole gamut. Um, it's, it's been an honor to be with you. One of the fun things that we get to do as a church every summer is go through the book of Psalms. A um, handful of years, we started back at Psalm 1, and we've just continued to go on throughout uh, the Psalm book throughout the summers. And today, uh, we get to kick off that series again, uh, starting in Psalm 33. And the thing I love about the Psalms is that it's, it's this ancient book of songs and prayers that God's people have been using for generations to reorient their hearts, to reorient their lives to the Lord, to put their whole lives before the Lord. It's, it's our name, our church name, Coram Deo, before the face of God. We get to live and move and breathe and live our lives before the face of God. And the Psalms help us do that. We can bring our hearts and our minds and our actions before God in song and in prayer. Today, like I said, we're picking it up in Psalm 33, and this psalm is about hope. No matter who you are, you cannot live without hope. Back in 1897, nearly 125 years ago, atheist French sociologist Emile Durkheim began to see a rise in people dying from what he called alienated deaths. Deaths caused by loneliness and hopelessness. Today we would call these deaths, deaths of despair. And the data shows us that hopelessness is literally killing us. Between 1999 and 2018, the suicide rate increased by 35% across all demographics in the United States. In 2017, nearly half of all male deaths were caused by suicide, three and a half percent higher than for women. Seventy percent of the men who committed suicide in 2017 were middle-aged white men. In April 2020, suicide ranked as the second leading causes of death for people ages 10 to 34. And for people ages 35 to 54, suicide was the fourth leading cause of death. The reason why I'm emotional is that these are just data points on a, on a fact sheet. This is a, a reality that has hit us all, whether it's a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker. Hopelessness and suicide is a real reality. Even the most elite and talented people in our society are failing, are falling into hopelessness and despair. 
This spring at Princeton University, two students were found dead within a week of each other, both falling victim to suicide. As you can imagine, in May, graduation time, this was supposed to be a joyful time, but this reality brought a dark overlay to that community at Princeton. No matter who you are, you cannot live without hope. Hope is crucial to human flourishing. But here's the problem. Hope is also fragile. It's easy to hope in marriage until it's not going well. It's easy to hope in having a family until you can't find a spouse or you realize you can't have kids. It's easy to hope in an awesome job until you lose your job. It's easy to hope in finances until the strength of the dollar weakens. These things that we hope in are are often the wrong things to hope in. These things can easily be taken from us. And that's the problem that Psalm 33 wants to help us address this morning. What it means to be a Christian is to have a better hope. If you belong to God, you have a sure and steady hope to trust in that can't be taken away. That's the good news of Psalm 33. And so as we dive into it this morning, my hope and desire for all of us, the the hopeless and the hopeful and anyone in between, is that all of our hope is renewed. That we walk away having a renewed hope. Psalm 33 is going to show us why Christians should have hope and how we can get it. That's the two points of my, of my sermon this morning. Why we should have hope and how we can have hope. So let's turn to Psalm 33 together and observe three reasons why we should have hope. First, we should have hope because God is in control of the chaos. Let's look at Psalm 33, verse 4 together. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Christians should have hope because God is in control of the chaos. In the biblical imagination, water is used as a picture of chaos. Water is untamed. The deep waters are where the monsters play. The waters erode the edges of the land. The seas and the oceans are unwieldy and unpredictable. And yet God, who is righteous and just in his creative genius, speaks by the power of his word and gathers the chaotic waters and puts them in their proper places. The chaos obeys the word of the Lord. Three summers ago, I found myself standing on the beach of the Atlantic Ocean, terrified out of my mind. 
as the waves were crashing in. Even more terrified because my children, no fear at all, are playing 100 yards out. I'm terrified. It took me like a day and a half to finally have the strength to put my own body in the water and have fun with my kids. I was laughing and giggling right alongside with them. It, it was fun. But at the deeper we got and the bigger the waves got, the more aware I was of the vastness and the power of the ocean. Those waves did not care one bit about me. I had to go where the waves wanted me to go. I was immediately aware of the chaos that surrounded me. When we look at the world around us, we see the chaos around us. It's easy for us to lose hope, isn't it? We read verses like Psalm 33, verse 5, where it says, The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord, and you find yourself thinking, God's steadfast love is everywhere. All I see is chaos. How can I exist? How can I have hope in a world where all I see is chaos? Friends, we don't need to be overwhelmed by the chaos that we see in the world around us. The Lord is inviting us to observe the chaos that we see and respond with hope because we don't have to be in control of the chaos. God is in control of the chaos. Second, we should have hope because God's plans never fail. Look at verse 10 with me. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. We like the sound of the Lord frustrating the plans of the nations, don't we? We think of all the injustice, uh, unjust, injustice and unrighteousness that we see. We're like, yes, Lord, disrupt that. But what about our plans? What about our goals? Have you ever been frustrated when you've planned towards something or made goals uh, towards something only to have those plans fall through? I've seen vacation plans ruined. I've had dreams for a forever home turned into a money pit that I just couldn't keep putting money into. I've seen plans of young families altered due to infertility. I've seen lost jobs and lost health, lost loved ones. It's easy to lose hope when our plans fall through. He frustrates the plans of the peoples, verse 10 says. Why would God frustrate our plans? We need to see that God does not frustrate our plans to punish us, to, to get back at us for our sins, or to make us hopeless, but rather he frustrates our plans so that his plans become our plans. Our plans have a shelf life. They are limited because we are limited. We are finite. Our days have an end, and so our plans have an end. Our plans could be interrupted, but God's plans cannot. 
His wisdom is eternal. His plans continue from generation to generation to generation. The wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 16 and 19 specifically, uh, give word towards this. 16, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. The writer of Proverbs seems to be inspired by Psalm 33. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, verse 11 says. The plans of his heart to all generations. God's plans never fail. And the hopeful thing about this is that God's plans are good. Sometimes our plans align with his, and sometimes they don't. And when they don't, the Lord reminds us with his word. Like Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. When our plans fail, it's an invitation from the Lord to stop placing our hope on finite plans and start hoping in him and his good plans because God's plans never fail. Whether it's your financial plan or your family plan or your career plan or vacation plans next month or what you're going to eat for lunch tomorrow, know that the Lord sometimes frustrates our plans. And he's inviting us to relinquish your, our plans and to, to place our hope in the one true God whose plans and purposes are good and eternal and forever true. So we should have hope. Because God is in control of the chaos. We should have hope because God's plans never fail. And third, we should have hope because God knows our hearts. God knows our hearts. Read Psalm 33, verse 13 with me. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. I want us to see something really, really important here. The God who created the heavens and the earth, everything that we can know and see, he created it with the power of his word. The sovereign Lord who rules the universe, who, cre who created it and now holds it together and is king over it all. The God who has fashioned your heart like a potter fashions a vessel on the pottery wheel. This God, he knows you from the inside out. He knows you intimately. He knows your heart is sometimes weak and faltering. He knows the places where you struggle to trust him and believe. He observes all of your deeds. And notice that this knowledge is a gracious knowledge. He knows you all the way down, which is why he is able to come to us and bring aid to us, bring us salvation. For Psalm 33, verse 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them 
alive in famine. Yes, your heart is weak and faltering, but look to the one who can save you. Relinquish your grasping on the false hopes and fear the God who is merciful and compassionate, gracious and abounding in steadfast love, for he sees you and he knows you and he will deliver your soul from death. Look to him. You might be asking, how do I know that God will deliver me? How do I actually know he's going to fulfill his promise to me? Well, I want to answer that question with another question. How do you know that the grass will turn green in the spring? Or how do you know that your flowers will bloom every season? We know the characteristic of those plants because of what they've done in the past, right? The grass turned green last year. The plants bloomed last season. And so when we are placing our hope in God, we are not waiting for him to act as if he's never acted before, as if God doesn't have a track record. We can look back on his redemptive acts throughout all of history, all the scriptures, and in our lives, and we can see his promises being fulfilled from the creation of the world to the salvation that comes through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus to hit the provision of food on our table and in our cupboards. The Lord is fulfilling his promises to us, and we should have hope because of who God is and what he has done. Because God is in control of the chaos, because God's plans never fail, because God knows our hearts, we should have hope. But shoulds don't change us, do they? Should can show us a beautiful picture of what ought to be, but should can't change who we actually ought to become. That's why it's important for us to see the second thing that Psalm 33 is showing us. Not just why we should have hope, but how we can have hope. The key lies in this very simple observation all throughout Psalm 33. We see this communal language being used by the psalmist. We see it in verse 12. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his inheritance. Verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help, our shield. 21, our heart is glad in him. We trust in his holy name. Verse 22, let your steadfast love be upon us, even as we hope in you. Here's the good news that Psalm 33 is preaching to us this morning. God has gathered us in a community of hope. How can you have hope when you're struggling with despair and hopelessness? By remembering God in his grace has put you in a community of hope. We sometimes read the Psalms individualistically as if they're only speaking to us, as only they can inform our individual prayers rather than all of us. When we read Psalm 33 that way, it probably makes you feel worse. You hear, shout for joy, give thanks to him, sing to him a new song, and you feel like, I, I just don't, I can't do that today. I don't have the words in me. I do not 
have hope. I do not have joy. But that's the point of the psalm. You don't have to do that. The people around you can do that for you. That's how God intended this church thing, people of God thing to work. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this about the Psalms in general. He says, the prayer of the Psalms belongs not to the individual member, but to the whole body of Christ. I learned to join the body of Christ in its prayer that lifts me above my personal concerns and allows me to pray selflessly. To say it another way, hope is a community project. Hope is a community project. The psalm envisions a whole community of people hoping in God together because sometimes we need to borrow the hope of others. Hoping in God is a community project. A few weeks ago, I was sitting with a friend um, in a not hopeful state. Um, in our family, we have seen a lot of marriages kind of crumble. Um, in my friend group from church and high school back in the day, I've seen marriages crumble. Sometimes it's just apathy towards fighting for a health, healthy marriage and healthy family. Sometimes it's affairs and divorces and separations. It was just weighing heavy on me. And I'm sharing this with my friend and like just kind of voicing like, sometimes it makes me doubt my own marriage. Like, are we going to make it? And my friend looked at me in the, the eye and said, hey, the Lord has done some really amazing work in your life and in your wife's life and your marriage. He's been working for the past 18 years in you and Jenny's lives, and he's been working beyond that in you guys, your guys' lives individually. This is not a time for you to despair and be hopeless, but a time for you to rejoice and celebrate what God has done. My friend was able to help me raise my eyes and look to the Lord, to find my hope in him, not down here, not in me, but in the Lord alone. Hoping in God is a community project. Even within the four walls of this building this morning, when you can't shout for joy, you can lean on the words of the congregation around you and hear them say for you, it is right to give him thanks and praise. When you can't sing about God's steadfast love, you can hear the hopeful voices of those singing around you, declaring God's love over you and, and saying those gospel hope-filled words to you. When you can't muster the words to speak the confession, you can merely just hold out your hands and acknowledge in your heart your, your hopelessness, your despair, and hear the pastor speak words over you, God's words over you of pardon and receive his gracious forgiveness. Receive the Lord's love for you. For the hopeful of us in this room, I want to encourage you that there are others around you who need your hope. The hope that is within you is not merely meant for you to hold on to and keep for your own benefit, but it's for you to share. Don't be ashamed of being a hopeful person in a hopeless world. Share that hope that you have. Maybe you sent someone here in the room struggling. It's okay that you go to them. Feel free to ask them how they're doing. 
Share the gospel with them. Offer to pray for them. It's okay to do that. Maybe you're not as bold as to, to go up to somebody and ask them to pray for them. That might be weird to you. But you can sing your prayers. My restless heart finds rest in you, we just sang a moment ago. That's something that you can pray for, for others in this room. May the hopeless and despairing find their rest in you, Lord Jesus. Give them your peace and your comfort, Lord Jesus. As we're singing the song, as they're hearing the song, minister to their hearts. That can be our prayer as we sing. When we're professing our faith, know that there are people around you that have a weak faith. They're struggling to believe, and they just need to hear the truthful words about the Lord about who we're professing our faith to and what he has done. Say those words of the profession like you mean it so that the others around you can hear it. Our liturgical worship isn't just a ritual to make us super disciples, to make us more holy. Our liturgy every Sunday morning is full of hopeful words that a hopeless world need to hear. Even as we all leave here in a moment, we're going to hear the benediction. We're going to receive the pastor's words as he's sending us out, as he's praying over us. Know that none of us hope alone. Romans 8, 22 tells us, the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We do not leave here to go and hope alone. We hope. Together, we wait for the Lord together, hoping in God as a community project. Would you join with me now as I pray for the Lord's grace and his help in doing this? Most gracious God, we praise you for being our heavenly father giving us this wonderful and beautiful creation, for speaking it into being and holding it together, even though it seems like the world around us is falling apart. God, you are in control. God, thank you for being a benevolent king whose plans and purposes and kingdom is forever. Your kingdom will know no end. Thank you for inviting us into it. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking on flesh and being with us for bringing us salvation through your life and death and resurrection. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to know us, to guide us, to deliver us from Satan, sin, and death. For our soul waits for you, O Lord. You are our help and our shield. Our heart is glad in you because we trust in your name alone. For your steadfast love, O Lord, may it be upon us even as we hope in you. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.